Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the MLB Early Bird Podcast for the August 21st slate right here at AwesomeMode.com. Of course, we are sponsored by Yahoo. Adam, we've, we've got a ton of games to get into on Friday night. Of course, uh, we, we did lose one game uh, on Friday with that being the Mets and the Yankees with what's going on with the Mets uh, and COVID. But, uh, man, it's a big slate. As uh, I know as we do this show, we, we've got a couple pitchers that uh, haven't officially been announced a, a, as a starters. But what's kind of your overall take on, on this slate on Friday? Yeah, I mean, ton, ton of games, obviously. So um, I think – Typically on, on the bigger slate, stacking becomes more important just because um, there's a higher probability that a, a team really goes off. Uh, but we obviously had a lot of, of really good pitchers go yesterday. Um, not quite the same quality of pitching on this slate, despite having so many games uh, kind of looking through the mid-range arms on this slate. it's uh, it, it leaves a, a bit to be desired. So I think it'll be one where you're probably not super comfortable with the pitching. Uh, of course, uh, the slate's going to get kicked off at 7.05, the main slate at 7.05. There are two games in the 6 p.m. Eastern time hour, the Brewers and the Pirates. Adrian Hauser is going to go for the Brewers, and Chad Cole is going to go for the Pirates. Yeah, uh, Chad Cole facing a Milwaukee team that has been striking out a ton, but Cole not really a pitcher that, that can take advantage of that. So not too interested in, in looking to him. I think maybe it's a, a decent spot for some of these Milwaukee power bats to, to bounce back against him. Um, for Milwaukee, for Hauser, I think he is one of the, the more talented pitchers on the slate. The price on him at 8,400 is reasonable. The, the biggest concern is just that he hasn't thrown more than 87 pitches in any of his four outings this year. He's only gone more than five innings once. So I, I guess some concern there, but you know, again, the the pitching on the slate isn't the best. He has around the twenty five percent strikeout percentage since last year, and the Pirates are a really weak offense. So, you know, I think he's firmly in consideration as far as pitching goes. Yeah, I feel like every time we we talk about the Pirates, it's never about uh, their bats; it's about their opponents' yeah. bats. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Chad Cool, he has in a limited sample this year. The strikeout stuff's been really good. Um, didn't pitch. Last year, in 2018, he struck out 24% of lefties, 19% of righties. Um, the slider this year is getting a ton of swinging strikes so far, uh, 15% to righties, 34% to lefties. I'm going back to see if that's kind of he, – he's throwing it more to lefties this year than he has in the past. So maybe 
he does see better results going forward. But for now, I'm still going to treat him like a pretty mediocre to below average pitcher. And that makes me interested in, you know, looking at a really cheap Justin Smoke, probably batting cleanup. Christian Yelich, uh, relatively inexpensive after his slow start to the season. You have a lot of strikeouts, but still a lot of power in the Milwaukee lineup. And so I'll be looking there against cool. Yeah, I was I was about to ask you. Say, okay, the the easy answer is favorite bats. Kristen Yelich. You, you mentioned about Justin Smoke. Is there another bat that uh, you know you know sticks out to you that you're really paying attention to as we head in this matchup? I think the third one is is pretty much always going to be Castanera because he does give you a nice power and speed combination at a relatively weak second base position. The salary on Avicenna Garcia is good as well, um, but you're typically going to prioritize left-handed bats against Cool, which would be Yelich and Smoke. Um, once you start looking at the righties, I think Kira is the highest upside out of out of what's left. Uh, then at seven ten, we got the Tigers and the Indians. Michael Fulmer going for the Tigers, and Adriel Adam Plunko going for the Indians. Yeah, Plunko in a pretty decent spot. You know the. Tigers obviously have been a really good offensive team this year, but you don't really expect that to continue. Um, Plutko, the most pitches he's thrown this year, 86 in his first outing on July 28th, um, coming off of a 47 pitch, two and two thirds inning uh, appearance against the Tigers, actually. Not a lot of strikeout stuff for him. He's inexpensive, which is is nice, but that's pretty much the only you know good thing that there is to say about him. Um, since last year, he struck out about 22.5% of righties, 11% of lefties. So, I mean, it's it's okay. Like, I could see getting to him in, in some tournament lineups if you need to pay down at pitcher. Um, Fulmer with a, a tough matchup against the Indians, obviously. A lot of switch hitters on that team, so you, you don't he won't have the platoon advantage in most at-bats. Um, he also, they're, they're bringing him along slowly after his injury. He threw 58 pitches last time out, 57 the one before that. So you're only expecting around three innings from him, even at 5,700 on draft teams. It's not a, a spot that I expect to get to. Obviously, when we talk about the Indians, we we always look at, you know, the, the infield stack there. And, and I know on, on Thursdays, the Live Before Lock show, uh, one of the people in, in our, our um, premium Slack account said, at some point, Carlos Santana's got to go off, right? You would think so. I mean, it's definitely a situation where you, you you have such a long track record with someone like Santana. It would be unusual for him to just fall off a cliff. You know, he, it's not like he's young, but he's not 45 years old either. And um, you, you assume that those guys are going to eventually play, play to the back of their baseball card. You know, basically, um, obviously, in the shorter season, there's going to be more fluky stat lines at the end of the year than normal. But you should still be treating him like he's the same Carlos Santana. Is there any Tigers bats that uh, interest you? Kristen Stewart at twenty seven hundred. It's he. He's one of their better hitting prospects. He came up, I think, last year. He debuted. Um, he does have power from the left side. You know, I mentioned that Plutko's strikeout stuff is much better against righties than lefties. So getting a really cheap uh, bat with some power from the left side against him is ideal. And and Stewart gives you that probably batting six. Uh, the second highest uh, price salary pitcher uh, will be in this Philadelphia Atlanta game. That being Aaron Nola. Going up uh, against the Braves, Max Max Fried for the Braves here. Uh, DK nine thousand nine hundred. Uh, is Aaron Nola somebody that uh, you're looking at paying up for? Yeah, I think actually both pitchers in this game are are pretty appealing. But Nola comes in with the highest strikeout percentage on the slate at thirty nine point eight percent this season. Um, he threw one hundred and two pitches last time out, so the um, you know his ability to go deep into the games isn't a concern. 
No Ronald Acuna weakens the Atlanta lineup. No Nick Marcakis adds more strikeouts to the lineup. You and I had talked about it on a previous podcast that Atlanta was striking out more this year. And I had said that I thought Marcakis would at least help that to some extent. Now you're, you're back to this lineup where, you know, Swanson strikes out. Uh, Ozuna strikes out, Matt Adams Kays, Adam Duvall strikes out, Austin Riley strikes out a ton. There's a lot of strikeouts in this Atlanta lineup. They still have power. They'll still take advantage if Nola's not on top of his game. So it, it's not that it's safe, but Nola's got really good strikeout stuff. He's a really good pitcher in general. And I think there's just a lot of strikeouts to be had here against this particular Atlanta team. You mentioned about, you know, both pitchers here, but what about the bats on each side? I probably won't look to the bats too much, um, especially if they're getting any ownership. Like, I don't expect Atlanta to get ownership against NOLA, but I could see where, you know, maybe someone like uh, pretty cheap Reese Hoskins gets some ownership against Freed. But I really just have a ton of respect for Freed as a pitcher. Um, he's got so, he's got one of the best curveballs in baseball, in my opinion. He throws mid-90s with his fastball. It's normally just an issue of if he can locate. But so far this season, a 25.5% strikeout percentage, 8.2% uh, percent walk percentage. I think that you know he's not really a pitcher I look I look to pick on all that much because I do I do think his stuff is so good, and if he's not getting much ownership because he's probably a little bit overpriced as far as medium projections go, if he's not getting much ownership, then I would definitely be interested in going to him in tournaments for the upside. Then we got the Red Sox and the Orioles. Uh, as we're doing this show, the Red Sox have not officially announced who's going to go for them. Uh, what DraftKings has got is Valdez and Hernandez as two potential starters going for them. But John Means will be on the hill for the Orioles. Yeah, Means, um, normally someone that I'm interested in rostering because I do think he's probably a better pitcher than he gets credit for. He's also seen a jump in velocity this year, but not looking to go to him here. Um, it was actually interesting. His last start against the Nats, he only went two-thirds of an inning. That was the first time he pitched in 12 days, and I hadn't seen anything about it before the game, but he said after the game that the plan was only for him to throw a couple of innings because it had been such a long layoff for him, and that, and then there was, I don't remember if he said it or if um, Brandon Hyde, the Orioles manager, said it, but it was reported that uh, the, that they were looking to kind of gradually bring him back into things. So I'm not expecting him to have a full leash here. And, you know, even though he is really cheap, if, if you're only talking about getting three to four innings from John Means, that's not going to be enough. Yeah, I mean, looking at uh, MLB.com, it, it's noting about uh, 50 pitches. Yeah, yeah, so that's uh, that that's in line with what I heard after that game. So it, it's just not going to be enough to to roster him. You know, you know, as we're doing this show, the Red Sox right now are up, up three nothing. Um, they were a they were a stack today that I I went kind of deep on, especially the top of that rotation. Is that a stack you're looking at, especially the fact of you're going to get into that Orioles bullpen pretty quickly? Yeah, I, I think it's obviously a high upside spot. You know, Means does have decent stuff, but he he can give up power. You should have most likely you'll have Jorge Lopez coming in behind him, who Lopez looked really good. Um, the, the last time he pitched against the Nats, he was sitting mid-90s on his fastball, um, looked good, but still far from a proven pitcher. And so, you know, I think that not only, you know, like J.D. Martinez will probably draw some ownership against Means um, in the righty-lefty matchup, but don't overlook the left-handed guys if you're expecting Means to only go a few innings and then get the right-handed Lopez behind them because then you're looking at having a platoon advantage for Rafael Devers, for Moreland, for Verdugo uh, throughout the rest of the game most likely. So uh, it, it's a spot where potentially by including the lefties, you could actually get a little bit lower ownership, even though they're probably only going to get one, maybe two at bats against Means. Uh, then we've got the Twins and the Royals. Jake Odorizzi going to get the start for the Twins. Danny Duffy getting the start for the Royals. Yeah, Odorizzi um, threw 
79 pitches against Kansas City on the 15th, 71 pitches on the 8th also against Kansas City. So this is his third start of the season, third start against the Royals. Um, They've been bringing him along relatively slowly after um, he he missed the beginning of the season. He's gone three innings and four innings. At $9,000 on DraftKings, it's going to be tough for me to get there, even though it is a good matchup. I just don't trust that he's got the potential to give you you know six-plus innings here. And at that salary, you kind of need it. On the other side for Danny Duffy, he's actually shown pretty decent strikeout stuff um, this year. He struck out 28% of hitters so far, only a 7% walk percentage, but does have a, a pretty brutal matchup against Minnesota as far as power goes there. So at 6,700, he's at least got the upside to where he should be in your player pool for, for tournaments because you know he can beat that salary pretty easily. But it, it's a pretty terrifying spot. You know, I wouldn't be looking there in cash games, and I, I definitely wouldn't feel confident in it in tournaments. It's his third straight start against the Twins as well. Yeah, which I, I don't know the I, I don't remember the actual numbers, but it does. You, you do expect a decrease in projection um, yeah, so, when you start getting a second and third time. Yeah, so the a- first time he went four innings, he gave up four runs, and had four strikeouts. Uh, scored five point four uh, points on DraftKings. In his last outing. He went five innings, struck out eight, and only had one earned run. That was off a home run. Yeah, I remember his last start was really good because I think I had a lot of Minnesota bats. Uh, in terms of uh, the bats in that game, uh, Twins are always kind of a favorite team of mine when it comes to those bats, especially the fact of how many home runs they hit. Um, is there? Do you have a favorite bat in the game? It's normally going to be Nelson Cruz in this spot. He'll get a lot of ownership. I do think they'll be an interesting team. It's something Josh talked about on the strategy show this morning, but um, we talk about the top stack tool on the awesome website a lot, um, which aggregates the ownership for each team. But you also do want to be looking individually at ownership. I think there's probably a decent chance that you see a lot of aggregate ownership for the twins because of Nelson Cruz, potentially because of Polanco and a pretty cheap Marwin Gonzalez. But, you know, going to like, uh, Max Kepler or Eddie Rosario, who should have lower ownership in the lefty-lefty matchup, or going down the order a bit and getting the Buxton or Sano. I think because of the depth of the Minnesota lineup, they're still a team where even if they're getting ownership as a whole, you can still be contrarian within that stack pretty easily without sacrificing upside. Yeah, when you talk about the the top stack tool, the ownership projections, the top pitchers tool, you got to take advantage of the offer we got going on right now. That is for Osmo Plus MLB Weekly Pass. Fifteen ninety five. Uh, you know, I I use that every day. The top stack tool is probably one of my biggest go tos. Uh, between that and ownership, you know, because you know that to me is like you know, you, who who is that that player that's going to be over owned? You know, today for the Giants, it was their their cut their prospect catcher. Uh, his name escapes me off the top of my mind, but Joey Bart. Yeah, Bart's. He was twenty six hundred, and and I want to say we had his projection of like. 40% or something. So it's always like that to me is, is a tool tools. I like to use every day. Yeah. I use them both too. I've, I've, I incorporate them both into everything I do in, in every sport. Um, you know, we have the various versions of them, but, uh, in baseball specifically for sure. Be sure to go to awesome.com forward slash join to sign up for that MLB weekly pass for 1595. Next up, we got the reds and the Cardinals, Dakota Hudson going for the Cardinals and Anthony, uh, Di Scafini going for the Reds. Yeah, kind of interesting pricing on these two because they're they're both pitchers that on a slate where I don't love pitching, I could kind of get behind. Um, Hudson not fully stretched out. It doesn't look like though. Only threw fifty five pitches his last time out, and that was he had a three week layoff. 
prior to that, he hadn't pitched since uh, July 26th. So not expecting him to be fully stretched out, which makes it essentially impossible to get to an $8,300 salary. For Desclafani against the Cardinals, um, it will in part depend on what lineup the Cardinals are running out there. Desclafani is coming off of an absolutely nightmare outing. Um, two innings pitched, nine earned runs against the Pirates. Had a really solid negative 18 DraftKings points in that one. But he's a pitcher that in general I think does have decent stuff, particularly against right-handed hitters. Um, going back to last season, he struck out 25% of righties. He's held them to a 138 expected ISO. The Cardinals lineup is is normally pretty balanced, but their best hitters are typically right-handed with Goldschmidt. Um, Molina's back in the lineup from the right side. You know, Carpenter and Edmund are obviously lefties. But um, if we get a lineup that has an extra righty or two, I'd, I'd start to be more interested in Desclafani. Yeah, the interesting note uh, on MLB.com about Anthony is, in speaking about his last performance, it's written, he might have been tipping his pitches as hitters were all over his fastball in hitting three homers. Yeah, so definitely possible. You know, hopefully it's something that, that he's paying attention to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely a brutal start. Uh, then we got the White Sox and the Cubs. Dallas Keuchel going for the White Sox. John Lester going for the Cubbies. Uh, what's your kind of take on this pitching matchup? <laughs> Two of my least favorite pitchers in DFS facing off against each other here. Um, Lester, if you were a little bit cheaper, I could maybe see it. But I, I do really like the White Sox offense in general. So much right-handed power and speed in this lineup. So they're always one of the teams that I'm interested in in tournaments just because of the upside they bring. Lester's not a pitcher that's gonna that I'm going to shy away from there. He doesn't have great strikeout stuff, so these guys should be putting the ball in play. He's only struck out 21% of, left, of righties with a 193 expected ISO since last year. And he's only struck out 14% so far this year. So I actually like getting to the right-handed White Sox bats. On the other side, you have a more favorable price tag on an $8,200 Heichel. Um, he's never really been a, a great strikeout pitcher, though. The Cubs not a, a great matchup either, um, and he's striking out less than 15% of hitters from either side of the plate this year. Gets a lot of ground balls, doesn't give up a lot of power. Not necessarily someone that you, you really want to pick on, but also really difficult for him to give you the kind of outing that you want at that salary. Do you have a favorite right-handed bat for the White Sox? Edwin Encarnacion is only 3600 on DraftKings. That seems like a mispricing. That's also something you could take advantage of. I know he's off to a slow start this year, but um, still. But you can take advantage of that. You know, Pay attention to the ownership because the White Sox, the, the one thing that is tough about them as far as stacking goes is that um, they're – is that Abreu and Encarnacion play the same position. You can only roster one of them on DraftKings. If a lot of ownership is going to Encarnacion because he's $500 less expensive, there's nothing wrong with pivoting to Abreu and just naturally being contrarian there. Favorite Cubs bat? Um, Javi Baez is only 4100 He's appealing just because he has so much power and speed. Uh, then we got the Astros and the Padres. Lance McCullers going for the Astros and Garrett Richards going for the Padres. Yeah, tough spot for Richards, who is a pitcher who I think you know does have good stuff. He's been someone that's been injured basically his entire career, but um, he, he you know so far is healthy this year, coming off of a seven inning start through ninety one pitches. He's been pretty mediocre as far as 
the DFS results go. But he's also had a, a brutal string of matchups. Um, he's faced the Diamondbacks twice, which is a, a pretty, I think, mediocre matchup. He's faced the Dodgers twice, and he's pitched in Coors Field. So I'm not too interested in, in how his numbers have looked so far. I'm more interested in just the fact that he's healthy. Unfortunately, we can't. So, so he's someone that I'm looking to jump on when he does get in a good matchup because I think that his numbers probably are lower than um, – than like his average would be by the end of the season. Unfortunately, though, you're, you're facing the Astros here. So just another really, really tough matchup for him. The salary is somewhat appealing at 7,500. You know, I think he's more talented. He, he gives you more upside than someone like Dallas Keuchel at that, you know, in that same price range, just because the strikeout stuff is better for Richards, but still just not really in the business of looking to take pitchers against the Astros. They're just too good of an offense. On the other side, you have McCullers who um, has been having a weird season you know first start or first year back after uh, his his injury he looked really bad for a couple of starts um his uh, knuckle curve wasn't getting swings and misses like normal now he's coming off of a couple of better outings on um, five strikeouts and in seven innings against the giants and then seven in five and two-thirds against the mariners um you know a pretty mediocre matchup here against the padres who Towards the bottom of their order, though, they drop off, but the middle of their order is, is really, really good. Um, I do think, though, that McCullers is an appealing option today just because of the, the relative lack of other good starting pitchers on the slate. Um, I would rather go to Aaron Nola, though. Look, I just want to tune in to see if Fernando Tatis is going to piss anybody off. <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he's been amazing this year. I was talking about with Alex today on the show, and I don't know if it was someone doctored a video or not, but it was him walking to the bat to uh, to bat, and "Cry Me a River" by Justin Timberlake was a song. I'm like, if he came out, that was his walkout song. He might be my favorite player now. Yeah, I'd seen that on Twitter too. I'm not sure. So I, I, it was from a Dodgers game, like previously. So it wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't happen after. The Texas game. I'm not sure if he actually walked out to that song at one point, um, but yeah, it definitely did happen. That video was from before the Texas game, but yeah, that, oh. that would have that would have been amazing. If he sees that, he that should be his new walkout song. Yeah, especially the next time they play Texas. Oh God, yeah. I mean, I mean, steal it third where you're up six nothing. Yeah, I love that. The next day. <laughs> I mean, look at Fernando Tatis is in your lineup. You're loving that, right? Yep. Um, you know, in terms of some bats here, you mentioned about the Astros offense and, and how much you, you know, you like their offense. Um, is, is there a particular portion of their offense that you like in this spot more than another portion? Um, Kyle Tucker stands out. He dropped. So he had been priced up because they were playing in cores. I think he was like 4,800 yesterday. He's back down to 3,400 and this is a guy that has speed and power. Uh, so, you know, again, it just gives you two ways to get to that tournament ceiling, whether he's stealing bases or hitting home runs. He's only 3,400. That's a, a really cheap price point. The top of the order is pretty expensive. Um, but, you know, I think the the middle of the order there with Tucker, you also have a pretty cheap cheap Josh Reddick, which isn't really that exciting, and a cheap Abraham Toro, which, again, not that exciting. But Tucker, I think, is a, a really exciting option. Before we get into the Rangers and the Mariners, got to let you know that today's podcast is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. One of the great things about Yahoo DFS now is that they include CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Of course, uh, we're players that want to play multiple lineups. So make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Mentioning about the Rangers and the Mariners, what's uh, what's kind of your take on this one? 
Yeah, it's two offenses that you can kind of look to pick on. You know, Texas has obviously been really, really bad this year. The Mariners have some power, but overall shouldn't really be that great of a lineup. Uh, the pitching leaves a lot to be desired, though. Um, Nick Margavichis is a pitcher who came up with the Padres a year or two ago. Um, um, after digging into his minor league numbers, I said that I had no idea how he was in the majors and that <laughs> I expected him to go back to the minors within a month and never return. Um, it took a couple of years, but he did get back. Um, but still, you know, not not someone that I'm really looking to roster. Uh, so far this year, he struck out 20% of hitters. He's allowed 1.88 home runs per nine. Texas, you know, again, it's a bad offense right now, but I do expect them to turn things around. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just can't get to Margavichis. On the other side, um, Colby Allard has made three appearances so far this year. Hasn't gone more than five innings. He's coming off of a three-inning uh, start in Coors Field. Can't take too much away from that. The strikeouts have been pretty decent for him, though. He has struck out 25% of hitters. Uh, the biggest thing is just, you know, how deep into the game can he go. But I think it is at least reassuring that he threw 94 pitches two starts ago. He only went five innings. He was inefficient, but he did throw 94 pitches. So I, I think he at least has the opportunity to give you six innings here. You know, when we look at the Rangers lineup, it's always going to be a talk about, you know, Joey Gallo, obviously the big bat, 4,500 on DK. But, uh, you know, we've only got, you know, two. Uh, he's the only player over 4,000 in this game. As you look at some of those, you know, 3K bat options, what are uh, some of the ones that you look at? Yeah, so for first, I think Gallo actually is a, a really good tournament play because people will, will shy away in the lefty-lefty matchup. But going back to his time with the Padres, Margevichis has only struck out 12% of lefties, and he's allowed a, a 3.11 ISO. So, you, you know, it's not where Gallo can still take advantage. Um, but then getting down to the cheaper guys, you know, a $3,300 Danny Santana, a $3,900 Todd Frazier, and a $3,800 Nick Solak all look like a pretty solid option. Uh, next up, we got a, a game that I feel like will probably be uh, on my screen as I watch multiple games on Friday night, and that's the Rockies and the Dodgers. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Bueller's going to be the most expensive pitcher on, on the op- on the slate tomorrow night, ten thousand two hundred DK. John Gray is six thousand six hundred, but you are going up against that Dodgers offense. Yeah, and Gray really just hasn't looked like himself so far this year. You know, obviously part of that's a product of pitching in course field but he's always been a, a you know pretty decent pitcher regardless of that he's coming off of a really good start against the rangers which you know I'm not sure how much that counts but uh seven innings uh in cores seven strikeouts you know so maybe starting to turn things around definitely someone that i'll be digging into a bit more tomorrow to see if i can figure out you know if i expect him to be better or if i think something's wrong with him or what but you know at 6600 from a talent standpoint it, it's not a crazy idea to, to bet on him on a slate with um, you know, lackluster pitching, but it is just such a brutal spot against the Dodgers. He does get out of Coors Field, which is a plus, um, but it's, it's just so hard to, to really get a good start together against these guys. The velocity is one of the things that people are looking at. John Gray is kind of a concern with his fastball. Uh, is that a concern for you as well of kind of where, and maybe that's really the key of why he's not having the success? I mean, so, so far this year, he's at Nine, he's at about 94 miles an hour on his fastball. Last year, he averaged 96. So, you know, yeah, I do think that's a concern. Um, I'm pulling up, trying to quickly pull up fan graphs now to see if there's been any sort of, of increased start over start because, you know, it's not it, it's not that unusual for velocity to be down going into the season. But now you're, you know, you're a month in. Um, and, yeah, his velocity is just holding steady. He, he has, he's been between 93.5 and 93.9 miles per hour on his fastball in all five of his starts. So, 
consistently down, you know, two to two and a half miles per hour from last season. You know, I, I do think that's concerning, and it's probably one reason why his strikeout percentage is so much lower this year than in previous years. Uh, on the other side, Walker, I mean, you know, obviously the, the high price tag, um, you know, I know as DFS, we're not necessarily going to look at that ERA, but, you know, even his manager has kind of talked about, you know, what that ERA is of 5.21. Um, do you like the paying up to, to with him being the highest price option? Yeah, it's he, he hasn't looked good this year Um, that, you know, that's that's for sure. He has one start out of his four with with double digit. Um, DraftKings points. He did get up to 89 pitches last time out, and he was someone that the Dodgers were slowly bringing along. You do get the Rockies outside of Coors, which is obviously great. Uh, they, they definitely you know benefit from from being there. His fastball velocity this year, he's averaging 96 miles an hour, which is the same ballpark as he was last year, so no concern there. And you know, I, I think it's probably just a small sample size issue this year. Uh, he struck out 28 and a half percent of lefties last year, 30 percent of righties. I, I at this point, at least, I'm still treating him like he's the same Walker Bueller that we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. And so that does make him one of the top pitching options on this slate. Then we got the Angels and the A's. Mike Fryer's going for the A's. Andrew Haney going for the Angels. It has not been back-to-back bad starts for Haney, giving up five runs to the Rangers. And then follow that up, we're giving up four runs uh, to the Dodgers uh, in those two games. Uh, combined, ten strikeouts. Really interested to see where ownership comes in on Amy because he's such a boomer bust pitcher, and this is really a boomer bust spot as well against Oakland. Um, Haney strikes guys out at a high rate, and that's been the case this year as well. He struck out about 24.5% of righties. Going back to last year, he's at 28.5% of righties. But he also, since last year, has allowed a 213 expected ISO to right-handed hitters, and you do have a ton of right-handed power in this Oakland lineup. Kind of surprised at the 4.7 implied run total for Oakland. That's higher than I think you typically see in Andrew Heaney starts. I, I could definitely see the case where he just gets a bunch of ownership because he's a talented mid-range option on a slate that doesn't have many and if that's the case i'd be really interested in leveraging against that with oakland because i think it would be a case where he has a he has a really wide range of outcomes and his ownership is just getting there because of his median projection even though it, it can vary so widely um if he's not getting ownership on the other hand i would like to take advantage of that wide range of outcomes by being there myself and hoping that i get you know the good andrini game you know, when you look at uh, the top bats between these two teams, Chapman, Simeon, Olsen, Rendon, and, of course, obviously Mike Trout, uh, in, in terms of all of those guys, is there one that, you know, sticks out to you? I mean, is it paying up for Mike Trout? Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like a cop-out because it's Mike Trout, but really Mike Fire struggles with right-handed power a ton, and that's something that hasn't changed so far this year. Um, he's allowed a 281 expected ISO to righties this year. Back to last year, it's 235. So I think Trout and Rendon really, really stand out um, from the Angels side. From the other side, you know, obviously Matt Chapman um, in the righty-lefty matchup is going to look good. Uh, and you have like a cheap Stephen Cascotti, which is nice. But um, just as far as, you know, Fires doesn't strike out righties and he gives up a ton of power to them. And you have two really good right-handed bats in Trout and Rendon. And the final game of the night is going to be the D-backs and the Giants. Robbie Ray going for the D-backs. It's not been officially announced, but it does appear that uh, Logan Webb is going to be the starter uh, for the Giants. Uh, what's your kind of take on this one? Obviously, Robbie Ray coming off uh, you know, a five-inning outing where he only gave up one run. Yeah, he's, he's kind of in that same category as Andrew Haney where he's – I think they're clearly two of the most – probably the two most talented pitchers in the mid-range 
And so you'll probably get some ownership there because their medium projection will be good. Um, Ray has the better matchup facing San Francisco in San Francisco. The problem you run into with him is just he walks so many hitters. It's so hard for him to go deep in the games. I mean, the few he's made five starts this year. He's he walked two hitters in one of them, three and two, and six and two. He hasn't gone more than than five innings in a start yet. Uh, he despite throwing at least ninety pitches in four of those starts, he just isn't efficient. But he does strike guys out, and he at least get he has the potential. Like he's not going to walk four hitters in every single start this year. He's going to have starts where he just actually throws strikes and, and and doesn't pile up his pitch count. So the upside at least is there. The matchup is fine. I would prefer Ray to Andrew Haney if, if all things, you know, if ownership is equal. Um, but I, I think that it's still a really volatile spot just because he's such a volatile pitcher. What about in terms of the bats in this game? I, I think, you know, again, I mentioned it with Oakland that if Haney's getting a lot of ownership, I'd be really interested in them. Um, I, I'd be interested in the Oakland bats, really, even if Haney's not getting a lot of ownership because of the upside they have. The Giants, it's much more dependent on Ray's ownership for me because I don't think that they're – just by by their own merits, I don't think they're as good of an offense. But if Ray's getting ownership, then there's um, appeal to get there. You should probably have Joey Bart in the lineup. His salary on DraftKings has actually dropped to twenty three hundred dollars, so uh, that would be another cash play or you know tournament one off. One of the best hitting prospects for the Giants. Um, but he you know he's probably the one guy I'd really be looking at individually. The thing with Ray too is that he walks so many guys. I think there's more appeal to getting a full stack than just trying to grab like one guy because he probably just won't get a pitch to hit. You know, I know one thing and we were talking about today on the live before lock was the wind blowing out there in, in San Francisco. I, when we were doing a show, I think it was saying like 18 mile an hour winds out to center field. And, you know, obviously they moved the fence in a little bit there in, in San Francisco as well. Um, you know, obviously the giants are not, not really a team I'm necessarily looking at in offense, but, is is this a, a sneaky game? Maybe kind of where people aren't really looking at it, where you might be able to kind of you know get some low ownership options. Yeah, potentially. I mean, the the wind blowing out's not as big a concern just because the the ballpark was kind of designed to to not have that be an impact. But the fence is moving in. You know, it, it should play. It, it's still not a hitter friendly park, but it's at least not the you know basically cavern you know canyon that it was before where you, you just couldn't really do anything offensively um the arizona side you know i think as far as stacks go could be somewhat appealing a mid fours implied run total right now logan webb's not a particularly good pitcher doesn't get a lot of strikeouts um doesn't allow a ton of power 161 expected iso to lefties 160 to righties since last year um but you know the angel or the diamondbacks do have some pretty decent hitters in their lineup and they have some pretty appealing pricing uh, with David Peralta at 3,500, Escobar's at 3,800. So it would be a stack that you could get to, and you could probably get like Walker Bueller plus Aaron Nola or something like that. Of course, that is a 12 game main slate on Friday. It all starts at 7.05 Eastern Time. Of course, be sure to check out our sponsor, Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. They are the most trusted name in fantasy sports. They now include CSV upload and CSV edit. When you're looking to play multiple lineups, so be sure to check out Yahoo Daily Fan Sports Course. Be sure to check out all the coverage we have over here. Awesomeo.com. We got the strategy show early on in the morning. Then, of course, live before lock. One hour before the game starts. That's going to wrap it up for the MLB Early Bird Podcast, which you hear right here at awesomeo.com.